Welcome to the Hashtag Hope Wall Podcast with your host, Destiny Davies, proudly brought to you by The Solitude Project, bringing you conversations behind closed doors where others share their stories of love, hope, and inspiration, including the tools they have used to overcome adversities in this journey called life. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Hey guys, it's Destiny here and welcome to episode 28. Today I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Fafetai Fa'a Leava, who was born in Moto Otua, Samoa. He comes from the villages of Vaiusu Lano, Samata Itai and Fagaloa. He attended Papatoitoi High School and lived in South Auckland prior to moving to America in 2006. He received his doctorate degree in clinical psychology from Allianz International University in San Francisco and now works as a psychologist at Mule Creek State Prison in California. Within the prison, he facilitates individual therapy, group therapy, suicide assessments, inmate housing recommendations and pre-release screenings. Dr. Fa'a Liava works with level four inmates, which is the highest security level designation within the Californian prison system. Today, in episode 28, Dr. Fafetai Fa'a Liava will share his story, I had to deconstruct my own belief systems. So take us on your journey. On, on my journey, wow, okay, so I guess, uh, you know, naturally, I, I would start from the beginning when, where I was born, you know, so um, born in, in Samoa, uh, Western Samoa, so uh, now formerly known as Samoa, uh, but I was born there and, and I always remember, you know, we moved to Savai very early because my dad was a minister there and just just remembering the um, you know the very uh, we call it simple life you know there was there were not a lot of resources available I mean we were living off the land you know so it wasn't like grocery stores everywhere um, so it was just a different um, environment and um, you know, it was it was just very it was just very poor, I would say. You know, and uh, and I guess the concept of poverty hasn't hadn't been developed in my mind yet at that time uh, because it was just normal for me. Um, but then moved from there to um, where did I go? Moved from there to Jamaica, Jamaica to. Um, New Zealand, I think, and then New Zealand to the States. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where everything shifted for me, you know? Um, I I guess I, 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 I'm gonna seek some clarification on, on which aspect of life you wanna, you want me to talk about? Cause now I feel like I'm just gonna ramble on and on. No, that's okay. Um, whichever you feel in your heart you want to share. Wow, wide open, huh? All right, I guess I'll just I'll just stick to the uh, journey of education because I I feel like that might have been the biggest struggle I faced, uh, you know, in in uh, my life in terms of 
uh, fitting into education. This is the most open interview I've ever had, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm usually used to being guided through, but uh, let's see. All right, education. Really, really hated school. Um, barely made it out of high school. Um, I attended high school in New Zealand, so Papatoe Toe High School. Um, and I remember that I was always at the dean's office every morning, you know, because I, I had poor attendance, um, was always late. And it, it didn't hit me until after I, I thought back to it, I was like, form three was good. You know, that I came in, it was, it was decent. At the end of form three, from four all the way to seven, I was always like on some type of report that required teacher signatures at every class. Um, when I arrived to class, what time I left class, you know, so that was kind of the, that was kind of the um, general theme of high school for me was just that, you know, and, and just barely, barely passing. Um, then I remember after high school, I, I really didn't know what to do, you know, and, and also I think a, a big part of that as well was just the what I was exposed to, you know, living in South Oakland. I think in my mind at the time, I was like, oh, Samoans either play sports, you know, and, and they succeed in sports or um, I, you know, find a, find a good job at the factory and just, you know, make money there. And, and so at that time, it, it was just my exposure, you know, and, and, and I internalized that as well and thought, okay, this is, this is who I am in society. You know, it's either going to be an athlete or, or, or here. Those were the only two options I could see for myself. And so, um, you know, I, I had some summer, summer jobs, you know, in the factories and I thought, oh man, you know, 12 bucks an hour, I'm living life, man. This is it, this is it. You know, I'm doing good, you know? And, and that was just where, man, I, you know, looking back, I, I realized how limited my mindset was, but also because the exposure I had told me that that was all I would achieve or could achieve, you know? Um, so I, I truly couldn't see beyond that $12 an hour. I was, I was ready to live my whole life, you know, like <laughs> this, this is it, I made it. Um, so, I, and, and then at the time too, I also had some mentors. So uh, Affirming Works is what they're called now. Um, it was Affirming Women back, back when I was in high school, uh, but they, they run a lot of programs in New Zealand and, and uh, they send mentors to different high schools in South Oakland. And, um, you know, the, high, the, the mentors that came to us, they were really helpful. They had their office nearby the school, so we would always go there to eat dinner. Or, you know, they always set some stuff up for us. Um, and then I remember they helped me fill out a, a college application, go to uni. So um, I got into a, a tertiary foundation program, so it wasn't really it wasn't like a bachelor's level program it was kind of like i think you know yeah. oh like a bridging one yeah like a bridging bridging program bridging course so i i got into that and i 
failed, man. Like I, I literally just went to went to uni just to kind of see my friends and eat lunch, you know, and, and like, oh yeah, I'm in the city now, you know, just just getting out of South Oakland, I guess. And so failed that. And then and then we moved to America, you know. So after I failed that, we came to America and um I, I worked, you know, my mindset was like, ooh, America, this is where everybody becomes a millionaire, you know, I've seen it in the movies. And of course, you know, my mindset is, is, is merely uh, adapting and, and, and thinking within the exposures that I've had so far in life, you know, so I come to America and uh, just immediately try to find a job. And, you know, I found a job at a, at a retail, in a mall somewhere. How old were you when you moved to America? I was 19. Oh, I came wow. here when I was 19. So, so fresh out of uh, failing uh, Oakland Uni. <laughs> <laughs> so out of high school, went to Oakland Uni for one year. Man, just went there to eat butter chicken. Butter chicken was good and uh, collect our, uh, what was it, it's a student allowance or something. I think we, we got like a student allowance every week. So, so, you know, and that felt good, you know, that that felt good to like get some money every week because, you know, in high school before that, it was only $2 a day, you know, and sometimes like, you know, we wouldn't even have much money, you know, so we go and, and, and it was funny because it seemed like none of my friends had lunch money either, you know, so it's like when one person brought lunch, they would go hold out somewhere else and then finish eating their lunch before they come hang out with, with everybody else, you know? So so that was kind of it. So when you got to uni and then you got you got this little student allowance coming in, you're like, oh man, living good now, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that was it. And then I came to America, uh, we got our green card. So we, we left within a six month period, you know? So it was, a, it was an abrupt uh, shift. And, and came here and it was it was tough for me at that time too because you know fresh out of high school I, I you know and, and one year in uni you know I have all my friends right you know during that teen those those adolescent years you have your your friends from high school and then you go to a completely new country you know and, it, and it's not like you have like a school to go to 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 make new friends you know and now you're just like trying to find a job and and hopefully you make some friends at work, you know, and, and then even then, you know, you, working at the mall, it was just like, you know, four hours here, five hours here, not really enough time for me to even develop any meaningful uh, friendships. Uh, so, yeah, you know, the first few years were kind of rough in America because, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much all I did was, uh, you know, hang out with family mostly, you know, hang out with family. Um, yeah, and then, you know, my mom at the time constantly wanted me to go back to school. You know, she had gotten her uh, bachelor's degree at Oakland Uni before that, and she was teaching in New Zealand. Uh, so for her, it was just a very traditional, um, you know, trajectory, mm. you know, that she wanted me to go down, right? Um, but, but at that time, I, I kind of looked and I, I saw the lifestyle she was living, you know, it was like, she has the degree, she, she has the job, 
but the money just wasn't right, you know, because we were we were still struggling. So I thought, okay, well, if she has the degree, you know, and that's the outcome of the degree, I don't want the degree, you know, I, I want something better because I, I didn't like that getting a degree still, in my mind, getting a degree still equal to my family struggling financially, you know, so so that didn't really appeal to me. Um, and I remember the, the turning point, so so this was a few years going, you know, 19 when I got to America. Um, actually, no, I turned 19 in America, so I came here when I was 18. Um, so a few years of working, um, and then there was, a, there was a specific incident that happened in 2008. So my uh, nephew, uh, my cousin's kid, uh, he passed away, you know, and, and he was only uh, seven years old at the time. And so he was the same age as my little brother, you know, so, so he passed away. And I remember being at his funeral, right? I was sitting at his funeral and his, his parents were standing there just, you know, sharing their stories about him, about his life. And from where I was sitting, I could see the parents here at the podium and then the casket behind them, right? So so that's kind of the image that was kind of um, right there for me. And um, and I remember something that my, my cousin said about her kid, you know? She said, there is nothing that I, um, could have, there's nothing more that I could ever ask for of my son, you know? So she was happy, everything, uh, their relationship with her seven-year-old son, she felt fulfilled, right? And so in that moment, I quickly just imagined my, my parents giving a speech and me in a casket behind them. And, and, I, and I asked myself, um, you know, would my mom be able to truly say those words? Can she say, you know, if it, would she say, I am, there's nothing more I would ask of my son. You know, he's done everything I wanted of him. So although she didn't frame it like that for me, but in my mind, that's kind of how I saw it because I, I knew that my mom wanted me to go back to school and it was something she often you know, told me like, hey, you should go back to school. So in that moment, you know, it really hit me. So it was, it was, it was really sitting at a funeral, right? So you know, sitting at a funeral in 2008, where I was like, okay, you know what? If I were to die today, my mom would still have this degree that she wanted from me, right? So after that weekend, went back to work and put in my two week notice, right? Yeah, it, it was such a it was it was such a conviction for me um, in that moment, you know, where it's like, ooh, you know, death is death is permanent. Death is permanent, and and, and there really is no coming back from that. And you know, and and so yeah, sitting in that funeral was just was what really shifted my trajectory. Um, so went into work, put in my two week notice, and. Uh, Let's see. Oh, well, not put in my two week notice. I, I put in my. It was a few months because this was this happened in February, and I so actually right after that weekend I enrolled for school, right? So, so school here starts in August. the The school year starts in August and finishes in May, 
right? So, yeah, so it's not like a calendar year like yeah. New Zealand and Australia. It's, it's it's a very, so so they take all of summers off and, and we have like opposite seasons, right? So like mm. right now, um, we're, we're in summer right now, right? So, so the new school year is about to start, right? Um, so yeah, so February, went to work, told my boss, hey, I'm leaving in, in uh, end of July because I'm going back to school, you know? Uh, already enrolled for summer school. And uh, yeah, and I remember, I remember my boss saying, well, Ty, you're, you're, you know, you're, the money you make here, I know you support your family with. I know you give some of that money to your family, you know? So, so that was also a struggle. You know, it's, it's not like you were walking away clean, you know, you had nothing to pay for. It, it was making that decision like, you know, here, here, here is a very tough road to cross. And, and that is usually one of the biggest barriers that uh, returning students, adult students, you know, have to face is that, you know, it's, it's your livelihood has to be on pause for a while while you go back to school um, you know, and, and, and try to get a degree to hopefully get more money or whatnot. But in my mind, it was just getting this degree for my mom. So, so yeah, you know, I had a car payment at the time, you know, I had a car and, and like cell phone bill and some other bills around the house, whatnot. So, so when I told my mom, you know, she was just like happy, you know, she said, to her, bills didn't matter. <laughs> bills, bills were <laughs> bills were secondary to her, you know. So, but for me, I was I was really stressed out because I had a car that I was paying for every month, and it's 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 amazing how how my story worked out because my my cousin took my car and crashed it, so it was totaled. It was totaled, but then the insurance paid it off. So then I had no car payment, you know, before starting school. So I thought to myself, wow, that's, if that ain't God, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's, it's supposed to be time for me to go back to school. So I went, I went to school, you know, I went back to school and I, I struggled because, um, so the, the school here was like, they, they had the community college here before you go to, uh, before you go to like a, a traditional university, right? So, so in, and this is kind of like a like a bridging type of school, right? For like, you can either go straight to a four-year university straight from high school, or you go to community college to kind of you know get your grades up or whatnot. So, so I, I went to this community college, and and one of the initial struggles that I had was always being the oldest person in my class, you know? So like I went back to school at 21 and uh, all the, all the, all my classmates, you know, a lot of them were fresh out of high school and, and high school here is one year less. So they're, they're younger. They're like 17, some of them maybe 16 or I don't know, you know? Uh, so it was always that, and I remember every time people were talking about their ages, like, oh yeah, you know. And I said, like, oh yeah, I'm 21. Everybody's like, oh wow, man, you're the same age as my sister, and, and she got her and she got her degree already, you know. So it was always like, oh shucks, man, like, okay, well I'm late to the game, whatever, you know. So, 
So, so that was kind of the struggle going through the schooling system, but then also just, you know, a lot of the, the information that I had already internalized about who I was as a Samoan, you know, I believed what society has taught me. You know, a, a lot of my grooming was in New Zealand, like living in South Auckland, it was, it was you know, Samoans only go this route, you know, they, they don't do this. So, so a, lot of, a lot of the work had to be me um, deconstructing the, the automatic thoughts that I had about myself, you know, de deconstructing the, the beliefs that I internalized about myself, you know, and, and that was, I am less than, I am inferior, I am, I am not smart like the other kids, you know, I'm not supposed to be in school. So, so those were my initial battles, you know, it, it wasn't so much the schoolwork, I mean, you know, but, but the more salient factor was just my belief system that I will succeed in school, right? Um, so yeah, I, I managed to make it through, um, made it through school. So that was two years, got, got an associate's degree in, in uh, psychology. And then I transferred to a four-year university for the last, for, for the remainder, remaining two years. And uh, that was also difficult, you know? Uh, part of that is, is because there was no one that looked like me in school, you know? So as, as I, you know, try to pursue higher, higher degrees, you know, there was, there was just no one there. You know, the, the most Samoans I saw were was at the community level. On the community uh, college level. Then I got up to the bachelor's and, you know, there was one Tongan guy there, uh, one Samoan guy that I would see once in a while, um, you know, but me and the Tongan guy, we're friends today. He was the best man at my wedding, um, you know, and, and we would discuss these issues like, man, you know, how's it feel like not, not having anyone else that looks like you and, and so, you know, I feel like my journey through that level of my education was primarily uh, pushed between the conversations that we had, you know, as Pacific Islanders, you know, thinking like, okay, man, like this is America, this is what we have to do. And, you know, hey, do you feel this way? Like, yeah, man, I feel this way. Like, you know, it's all just white people in here. And, and sometimes I just feel dumb in here, you know. So, so we had those conversations, you know, and, and that was kind of what pushed it through. Um, after that, I got my, got my bachelor's. Then um, I, I had another struggle where during my, my, while I was doing my bachelor's, I was working in security. Right, so because of the flexible hours, and I, you know, needed to pay some bills. So working in security. So now I have this this bachelor's degree, but working security in a plaza, you know, and 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 like not looking down on the profession or anything like that, you know. But but it, it was more the messages that I was receiving from outside, you know. It was it was like every every person that saw me standing out in the parking lot you know chasing away people that are trying to steal you know people always had the question like don't you have your degree why are you working over here you know and 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 so the, once again i think the biggest factor you know it's not so much the job but it's the belief system around it right so so and 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 it's how you internalize these messages that you're constantly receiving from the community 
from the community, from the environment, right? Uh, so, so, you know, I mean, and then that year, I mean, I, so I got my mom the degree, right? She was happy. And then I was like, okay, great. Uh, now I can go live my life. But then what I was finding was, you know, I, I really couldn't get like any jobs. Uh, you know, a lot of the jobs that required degrees were paying less than the jobs that didn't require degrees, right? Like, so my security job was paying much higher than a job that required a degree. You know what I mean? So, so the, the job market was all jacked up at that point, you know, it was just like, okay, well, it seems like a bachelor's really doesn't get you much. You know, I, I would rather go work over here that, that pays more than, you know, try to look like someone else over here, but it's getting less money, right? Um, so yeah, and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna go pursue my master's. And then put in some applications, got rejected from every school. You know, I put in like 10 applications, got rejected. Uh, it's, you know, very, very competitive. Um, I got one interview and then rejected. So, so one of the things was because I was trying to get into a psychology program at a master's level, part of the struggle there was, uh, you know, I, well, I just reflected on my overall application and I saw, okay, well, here I am working security. There's not much connection here to you know, psychology, I guess, you know, like, so, so, uh, yeah, I went back. So I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna get this job. I'm gonna go apply to all psychology related jobs, you know, and, and then I did. Um, and then I just said, okay, I'll just take the first one so I can start getting some relevant experience to add on my CV so I can reapply. Um, so yeah, you know, the, the first job called and I took it, it, it was a pay cut of course you know they they wanted a, a degree but it was a pay cut so i'm like okay sure and then and then yeah i went there uh reapplied again you know and then this time i got more interviews um and then more options for schooling um so so overall i took three years off just trying to build my uh cv you know to to be more competitive to get back into grad school um yeah and then i mean the same journey the same the same experience uh existed in, in higher education you know there, there's no Samoans, there's no pacific islanders in in these programs in, in the school that i went to so um yeah you know i one of the admissions ladies said i i was the first someone uh student they've had at their at that university you know so um it's 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 very uh very it's a small small population here you know pioneer someone some would say that you know but but i struggled i struggled all the way you know and I, and i think it's important to highlight the struggle you know because a lot of times you know we see the end result not really uh, getting to see a glimpse of what the journey was like, you know, and, and the journey is, is was intense. The journey was really intense. I mean, you know, just a lot of it too. I mean, the content was difficult, you know, now you're doing 
harder things in school, but also, you know, at the back of your mind, you're still battling the, the, the thoughts and the belief of, you know, do you belong in this environment? You know, you're, you're, you're not supposed to be here. You know, you're supposed to be over there or, you know, uh, Samoans are supposed to be X, Y, Z not in higher education so so of course man it, it was always a struggle with with that um you know and and uh yeah so i mean that that was pretty much the consistent theme there and then now i'm done and um you know really enjoying the work that i'm doing now <laughs> <laughs> congratulations <laughs> by the way <laughs> I think, oh it's, my um, gosh. I think that was a very bland story. My apologies. No, no yeah. it wasn't at all because, I mean, it resonated with myself too as uh, someone who <laughs> wagged school for two years and thought I was right. cool there for a bit. So right, I'm like, right. everything you said, it's those things that people don't share. Um, mm -hmm. The those thoughts how regardless of which, you know, whatever level you were studying at, that they were still there and I mean, I could correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that was probably one of the biggest things that you had to overcome was your own thought process. And right. it may yeah. have been even harder, I suppose, because of what you were learning, because you're more aware of it than others. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like some people, if you're not right. aware, well, you can't change anything, can you? Right. What right. would you say yeah. around that? See, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, and see, because I... I spent a lot of my life growing up outside of Samoan communities, right? Like I, I was in Jamaica for five years, you know, from when I was seven to like 12, 13 or something. Um, then I, and, and during my time in Jamaica, I was always alone because I looked at myself and I looked at the other kids and thought, okay, no one here looks like me. And then also it didn't help when, you know, you know how Jamaicans take their 100 meter sprint pretty seriously, right? So the school I went to, and, and I'm not sure if they do this at every school, but the primary school I went to out there made everybody run the sprints, literally the whole school, like, like no one got out of it. So they literally just line up the whole school you know, it's, it's like they start looking for sprinters early on, you know, start grooming them for the Olympics or something. I don't know. But I remember, you know, and, and back then, you know, we all ran barefoot, you know, so, so it was like we took our shoes off. And I remember the Jamaican kids, you know, because I was, I was bigger than most of them, my, my age group. So I remember every time we had to do the sprints every year, take my shoes off to, to run, take my socks off. And then they're like, man, you got big feet, man. You know, so so that would always make me self-conscious. You know, like like here's a here's a kid that you know is living in a in a in a uh, foreign land, you know, and wants to fit in somewhere, you know? And part of fitting in is to look the same, you know, and, and just knowing that you physically, your physical appearance is a huge contrast, right? Like you go from skin color to to hair type to, um, you know, and I remember when the, when the teachers used to beat us, right? They bring out their belts and, and whoop us on the hands. You know, I would have like red marks running down my hands from, you know, from the belts. And 
the Jamaican kids were fascinated with that. You know, they were like, whoa, look at this, man. He turns red, you know? So, so like, it's, it's, it's like always being the, the uh, outside person in every, you know, for, for like five years, you know? So I've always, I've always, you know, wanted to belong somewhere, you know, and, and being in Jamaica did not help that. So when I first got to New Zealand, I, I, that's where I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of Samoans at my school. You know, wow, man, you know, my feet are normal size, you know, for the, <laughs> for, for the Samoan kids out here. Okay, yeah, yeah, my skin color is the same. You know, my hair is the same. You know, we speak the same language, you know. So, so all of these things were things that I had been missing for, you know, the formative years of my life, you know, as, as, as this developing stage of my life. So... So as soon as I saw the, the similarities, oh man, I grabbed onto that, you know? And in, in, New, in New Zealand at the time, I, I feel like the, the stereotype of the, the Samoan and Pacific Islanders were just, you know, they were the criminals. They were the guys always on the news, you know, or, or, or overstayers, or it, it was mostly negative things, you know, it wasn't positive. But because I was coming from Jamaica, just longing to belong, I said, man, I will take all of those stereotypes and fully embody them, you know? So, so I feel like later on in my life, I spent a lot of time trying to dismantle all of those things that I had deeply internalized, you know, because of my, of my wanting to belong to a group, you know? And, and I guess this, a similar concept happens with, with, you know, kids that go into gangs, you know, it's, it's this lack of, of belonging where they, they, they find it somewhere else, you know? So so I, I guess that's, you know, but for me, it was like, oh man, yeah, he looks like me. Oh man, take my shoes off. Oh yeah, yeah we got the same size feet, you know? Um, so, so it's those little things, but I, but I think those were the, the, the significant parts in my life that I spent the later years trying to dismantle um, because, because your, your mind and your belief truly is uh, what limits you, you know? So it, it wasn't until later where I thought to myself, man, what is the difference between me and the richest guy on earth? What is the difference between me and, and the guy that drives the nice car? You know, what's the difference between me and, and, and the person and the homeowners? What's you know, difference between me and, and, and people that can graduate from, from colleges and, and earn these degrees? And I really had to do a self-reflection and thought to myself, okay, well, we both, you know, we got two arms, we got two legs, we, we have a brain, we have vision, we have, you know, speech, you know, uh, for the most part, you know what I mean? And, and so I thought to myself, okay, there is no difference. There is no difference between me and, and that person that that I'm perceiving to, to uh to be so far away that I can never achieve their status, you know? So, so, and then when I go into planes, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, man, how come I gotta walk all the way to the back of the plane? Why can't I sit in the front, you know? <laughs> so, so these are the thoughts that I start to challenge, you know what I mean? Because it, we, we do it on a day-to-day -day basis where it just becomes normal, you know? So it's, 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 it's almost like I had to take my mind and redefine what my norm should be. 
you know, and, and, and redefine it to a, to a place that, that I want to live. You know, uh, you know, I want I want to experience some 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 of the good things in life. You know, so so I had to reconstruct the way I think, and and I think that was that was a huge part. That was a huge huge part. You know, it's it's not so much the the innate talent, but it's the belief system. I think that goes much further. You know, so absolutely, I, you know, I agree to the point that you made. I definitely agree with everything you've just shared as well. It's probably the most powerful and easiest. I say easiest as in the idea of it, that we can change it. But obviously it comes with some work as well. And sometimes we need help with that because you don't know what you don't know. Isn't that correct? There was a couple more questions I wanted to ask you before we wrapped up. Number one, um, did you end up getting a better job that paid more than what you were expecting? And what are you doing now? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a psychologist now. Um, you know, I got my doctorate degree and, and work as a psychologist. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, the, the pay is, is definitely, uh, you know, good. You know, and, and I reflect on this uh, quite a bit too recently. You know, and I think back to that to that 17, 18 year old or, or even 16, because that's when I started working. And, and I, I, I think back and say, wow, you know, that 16 year old could not fathom the, 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 the type of salaries that, that they, he could have achieved, you know, because $12 an hour or $11 an hour at the time was like, ooh, I made it. You know, so it's, it's always fascinating to think back at different periods of your life and, and like to just, you know, so like now that I've earned uh, a doctorate degree, never in my wildest dreams you know i could say maybe seven eight years ago this was something i could never think to be possible you know even getting a bachelor's degree you know the high school me would have never seen that possible right so so there's always achievements that you 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 earn at the current place that you're in and you can always think back to some time in your life when your mind and your belief system at that time could never see it right unless you were just driven from the get-go and you're just you know but of course yeah that's possible too but i i guess i should i should clarify that you know from my own personal experience um, you know, where I am in life now is, is a place that I could never fathom, uh, you know, as as that person that was struggling in high school. Um, you know, it wasn't even in my mind, you know? Like, I think the most that was in my mind at the time was like, oh yeah, 12 bucks an hour. If I get two jobs making 12 bucks an hour, I can work 24 hours. And, you know, like, like, I feel like that's where my mind is, you know? But so, so today, yeah, it's it's just like I I am just you know blessed and and also like uh, just reflecting back on on the journey and and acknowledging you know times where I struggled as, as well as times where I challenged my belief system you know challenging the belief system and yeah so you know those are those were those were were uh, were big things. There was also a time in high school where you know. I, 
I mentioned like, oh man, I think I'm gonna get a degree. And I remember all my friends laughed, you know what I mean? And I, I wasn't offended, you know, like I was laughing too. Like I was like, yeah, that's the joke of the day, you know, but but it's it's man, the belief system is so, so critical, you know? So critical. The one, the last question I have, because I do believe your story is very inspirational. It's, um, I think it'll connect with a lot of people because there's a lot of us that feel that way, but may not know the reasons behind. Um, I suppose the yeah. last question I have for you is looking back at your younger self, knowing what you know now, that younger person who has, you know, those limited beliefs, which is understandable given, you know, um, the what you saw and thought was possible what kind of advice would you give to him knowing the journey that you've now walked to young you i think i think if i gave him the advice from today he he would be a cocky little dude uh, <laughs> you know and, and probably wouldn't even achieve it because he's gonna be all like oh yeah yeah that's what happens in my future you know but but <laughs> i because i here's the thing you know i have no regrets for any of the struggles that I experienced in life. You know, from, from, from the days when uh, we literally had no food in the cupboard, you know, I, I would never give up that experience because I feel like that experience was part of the drive that I have now to be successful, you know, to, to keep, to, to never be satisfied, right? Um, you know, the, the, the struggle in school and, and going through detentions after detentions, um, you know, the, the, the struggles in relationships, um, I, you know, all of those things, I think, are all contributing factors to the mindset you have today. You know, your, your, your belief system is somewhat cultivated through your experiences, you know, um, and so, as if if I were to give some advice to to the the high school me, is hey, embrace your journey. You know whether you're in a in a good journey or or challenging journey. You know I I don't think anything I don't think any experience goes uh, unused. You know there comes a point in your life when um, every experience you've gone through is beneficial. That, that's just my uh, wholehearted belief, but also see that that there's other perspectives out there. You know, there's plenty of other perspectives, but this is the perspective I choose to have. You know, we, we, we can all see the same incident and have completely different thoughts about what that incident was. So so that's that's why, so yeah, that's, that's my perspective on that is embrace a journey, whether it's whether you're in a season of challenges and difficulties, you know, ask yourself, what, what is it that I'm learning from this experience? Because sooner or later, once you're beyond that experience, you know, you'll be able to look back and think, wow, although in that moment I felt like I was overwhelmed and there was no way out, but hey, here I am. And, and, and these are the things that I learned from there. These are the things that I learned about myself. These are the things I learned about the world and, and you know, things I learned about others, right? And, and if you can use that to um, have a, you know, more favorable outcome in the next hardship that you face in life, 
and and that's where I mean nothing goes unused. You know, it's 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 all beneficial for your journey. So that'll be a long answer, but <laughs> short version is uh, embrace the journey. Embrace. Otherwise, he would have been he he would have been spoiled. <laughs> that, that, that high school guy was barely going to school. He probably wouldn't even have gone to school anymore. Like, oh man, they're gonna call me doctor in a few years. Oh, good, man. You know, so. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ty. And I was gonna ask you another question, but you actually answered it at the end of that response. So I just wanted to say thank you again for your willingness to share uh, your story. I think it's, I mean, I think just I know you're talking about your schooling journey but even moving from country to country I mean I've only lived in two countries but even that I understand you know it's um it's not easy to go through there and you have to keep rebuilding and starting again um over and over but you've obviously done that more than once continued on to now become a doctor of psychology which is absolutely (laughs) awesome and to show many more of us out there that it's also possible for us too so thank you very much for your time today for sure thank you for the uh, amazing work that you do and uh yeah and, and and thanks for even uh being being willing to you know, uh, listen to, to my story. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, wishing you all the best with uh, future endeavors and uh, wishing you all the motivation for those 10K runs because that's the part I just can't get over. Like I like I feel tired just just hearing 10Ks, you know, but, <laughs> but, I, but I think it's for a great cause, um, you know, and, and man, it's so amazing. I, I didn't really know the, the the extent of, of the project, but after hearing it today, it's it's such a great cause and and man, it's it's so amazing, you know. If you resonated with today's interview as I have, I just want to remind and encourage you that we are only limited by our own thoughts, processes, and belief systems. As Dr. Faaliava has mentioned these systems are curated from our experiences and the environments to which we are exposed but i just wanted you to take the time to reflect Um, look back to a version of yourself that would never have thought the current version of where you are right here and now was a possibility and in that moment be proud of what you have achieved and what you've overcome in order to get there but know full well moving forward that there is a version of you standing in the future that is also going to reflect back on this very moment when you have the courage to challenge your own belief systems. Thank you for listening to the Hashtag Hope Wall podcast with your host, Destiny Davies. Check out our messages on hashtag HopeWall via the solitudeproject.com.